Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast, a podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. Well, I want to say one more time, congratulations to the graduating class of 2021. You have done it. You have done this amazing accomplishment. You're grown now. I'm reminded uh, of when I was this age, I had a conversation with my father, and we were, the conversation became heated. He was talking to me about my cell phone usage, and I reminded him, hey, Daddy, I'm, seven, I'm, I'm, I'm 17. I was 17 when I graduated. I was one of the younger ones. I'm 17 now. I got a job. I can pay for my own cell phone. Then we ain't got to have this conversation no more. And in true Hezekiah Walker fashion, he said, okay. And I've been paying for my cell phone bill ever since. (laughs) So I encourage you. Because eventually I was going to have to pay for my cell phone bill. I know that. But I could have got a lot more years out of him if I would have just kept my mouth shut. (laughs) So you're grown, but grown-ish. Okay? I want to talk to you this morning about life's ultimate questions. Life's ultimate questions. What I believe is that some of you are maybe stuck in the middle of a situation, maybe inside your marriage, maybe inside your family. Maybe some of you uh, have heard for the last two years because you're graduating this year, hey, what's your plan? What are you doing next year? And some of you have come up with some kind of pat answer because you really have no idea. And I believe that's some of our graduating seniors, but it's also some of you inside this house. You're stuck in the middle of a situation, and people are around you, and they're asking you, what's your plan? How are you going to get yourself out of this mess or this thing that you are caught right in the middle in? And you got question marks all around you, and you're wondering, what in the world am I going to do? Well, I can assure you, you don't have to know what's going to happen next year because you never will. You don't have to have uh, uh, and follow your five to ten year plan because, Lord have mercy, I had one, but uh, I I veered off of that a long time ago. I counted up. Since I've graduated, I've had seven different jobs. Now, those results are not typical. But the only thing that I had to know that I desperately had to know as a graduating senior and even a couple of years down the road as I I welcomed a family into my life and I have children, is John chapter 17, verse 3. It's the high priestly prayer prayed by Jesus in Scripture. He's saying this is eternal life. Some of us think that eternal life is way on down the road. That's why the old folks are always talking about the hymns that talk about heaven. Because, that, well, they're close to that. But us, me, you know, I'm just a young person. This is, I ain't got to worry about eternal life. No, your eternal life with Jesus can begin right now when you've made him the head of your life. And what that eternal life is, is that you know God, that God knows you, that they know you, the one and only true living God. Because no matter what may happen 
in the next year or in the next two years or in the next 10 years. If you know God, you can weather any storm. I'm telling you, it's the lifeline. It's desperately what you need, and I'm telling you, it's what this world is crying out for. Periodically, I look on the Billboard Top 100 just to see what the people are listening to. And for the last several months, as I've looked at the number one song, every time, it's always about a relationship. Right now, the number one song on the Billboard top, Billboard top list is a song called Save Your Tears. It's the number one song. It's a relationship song. Because the world is trying to feel that need and that desire for a relationship with everything else. And it has left them wanting, empty, and lifeless. The only thing that can satisfy that relationship is Jesus. That's all you have to know. Amen? That's all you have to know. But I want to talk to you about who I get to minister to on a regular basis. I get to minister to a group called Generation Z. They're the first generation who's had one of these for their entire life. So they're rightly coined Generation Zombies. They know that they can watch for hours upon hours of content on this. They don't have to wonder about things when they're talking to their friends and family members. They, they got the answer right here. This group that's born from 1999 to 2015, some of you are aunts, uncles, parents, grandparents, cousins, friends. Some of you are one of them. There's two specific things. I do research on this generation all the time just because I'm interested in what the trends are saying about this particular generation. And one of the two things that uh, were, were, were at the top of the list for me that I thought were just interesting and I want to talk to you about today were that they were apathistic and they're creators, not consumers. Now, for the first time in a generation, this is a generation who just doesn't care about the Lord. It's not that they're shaking their fist up at heaven and saying, why are you doing, what are you doing up there? They just don't care. They're busy being consumed by their own life, their own things, their own struggles, their own trials. They ain't got time for him. When I was growing up, that's all I did or we did. This generation, there's been a shift. So as you minister to this generation, as you talk to people in this generation, they are good people. They volunteer, they, they love a good uh, 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 social justice campaign to be a part of, but they don't care about God as a whole. Now, let me tell you something. I got a group down at my life center, and this ain't everybody. There's a remnant that God has saved for himself, and so I'm not talking about everybody. I'm talking about, I'm talking about a whole. I'm global is how these trends measure out. As a generation, they're apatheistic. We have to teach them to have a relationship with the Lord, that this is the thing that they desperately need. Because there's been a generation before them that's parenting them that has looked at other people who stood on these stages and been false and fake and not authentic. 
And so they've raised them to believe, well, you can think whatever you want to think, and, and, and we've got to kind of figure out uh, about all this that, 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 that's going on. And grown up, well, I just will separate from that. I don't really care. The second thing about this generation is they are creators, not consumers. So if they come down there on a Wednesday night, I'm not going to let them just sit on a chair. As a matter of fact, if they're part of our congregation on a Sunday morning, I'm glad that we have pastors who will, uh, on last week, allow our youngest little babies to stand up here front and center stage. The very first thing you'll see, we had teenagers all over this stage, and you'll see a teenager coming a little bit later on inside this service. Because even now, they want to be influencers. I had a conversation just last year with Laura Lee Barrett. I'm going to call her Ellis who is a counselor at our local elementary school, and she said the number one profession when she talks to her little kids in the elementary school is they want to be a YouTube content creator. <laughs> well, my baby, he, he, he's really shy, and she's really backward, and she would never, let me tell you something, I got some of the shyest around, and they don't mind for one minute to stay. Hey, guys, uh, we're here today, we're going to be doing... Like, who are you talking to? <laughs> My teenagers have started makeup blogs. They get free clothing from brand name people and boutiques. Hey, wear this and influence your friends to buy it too. I got guys who play video games and they don't just play video games inside their house. No, they record themselves playing the video games and then push it out to other people. This generation has something deep down on the inside of them that they don't want to just sit in a chair. They know that they're called to influence. They see it from every other person around them that they can be an influencer just like that person is an influencer. And that is what we want. We're calling this generation influence. How in the world can you do that? Ask questions. If you're stuck in the middle of a situation, one of the first things that I would say to a, a person who's trying to get out of a situation is I would begin to ask questions. So maybe you're a senior inside this room and you don't know what you're going to do with the rest of your life. I would say, hey, what do you like? What are you good at? What are you passionate about? What school can you get into? You want to go into the military? Maybe you can get a job right now. Maybe you're in the midst of a situation. Hey, how have you found yourself in the middle of this situation? What, uh, what does God say about that particular situation? God and Jesus ask questions all throughout Scripture. And I believe it's a way that we can get unstuck out of our situation. Amen? Amen. God says to Moses, what do you have in your hand? He says to Adam and Eve, where are you? He says to Job, where were you? And I laid the foundations of the world. And so if one of the attributes about God that we know of is that he's omniscient, that he knows all, then why in the world is an all-knowing God asking questions? I'm glad you asked. I've been studying this. If it's not for his benefit, it must be for the benefit of the person that he's asking the question to, and also for our benefit because we read it in Scripture. So he says to Adam and Eve, where are you? 
He knows where they are. He saw them hiding behind the bush. He needs Adam and Eve to see, hey, where are you? We once had great relationship. We once were a lot closer. And I assure you, I'm not the one who moved. I'm still here right in the middle of the garden. Where are you? Adam responds, well, you know, I, uh, uh, you, you, uh, what happened was is that I, I messed up, I sinned, I, I, felt, I felt short, and uh, I was naked, so I hid. Who told you that? Another question. Again, he knows that Satan was talking to him. I've been your only source of information, Adam. I've been the only one talking to you. Who else have you now allowed to speak to you and provide information to you? And I believe he says the same thing to us. Where are you? Well, God, uh, you know, uh, there's some things that are going on inside my life, and I'll, I'll get it right when, you know, when I feel like I, I, I need to get it right. You know, me and you are, you know, we're, we're still cool, and, you know, I, I've tried to make things right, but I keep falling on my face, and I can't do right things, and, 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 and I'm just ashamed, and I'm guilty, so I hid. Who told you that? I said, therefore, now there was no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I said I would give you a brand new heart. I said that you can be a brand new creation in Christ. Who are you allowing to inform you? Mm, that's good right there. Jesus goes on into the New Testament. He's sitting around with his disciples, and he says, who do men say that I am? Well, you know, some people say you just, just do. Okay, well, who do you say that I am? Walking along in the crowd, woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment. Who touched me? You're Jesus. Yeah, right. You just read somebody's mail last week. You know exactly who touched you. It's for her benefit. Woman, where are your accusers? He's asking questions. And I believe that if you can answer some of life's ultimate questions, you can get out of any situation that you're in. But I can tell you there's two competing voices. There's a voice from culture, and it's the loud one. There's a voice of Scripture that's a still, small voice sometimes. But if you'll lean in and if you'll listen in, you can hear what thus saith the Lord. So what are life's ultimate questions? Who am I? Why am I here? What's wrong with the world? And how can what is wrong be made right? Culture has an answer for this, but so does the Word of God. So if you were to ask the culture, who are you? You're an accident. You're a random process of evolutionary being. You're nothing. Your life is meaningless because there is no ultimate purpose and there is no great designer. You are a glorified ape. That's what happens when you listen to the culture. Who are you? Nothing. Why are you here? To consume and enjoy. To eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you may die. 
Tanya reminded us last week that this generation screams out that you can live your truth. You can make up whoever you want to be, do whatever you want to do, say whatever you want to say, do whatever you want to do. You can live out your own truth. There's no ultimate source of truth, so whatever is truth for you can be your truth, so you can consume and enjoy. John D. Rockefeller was asked one time, how much money is enough money? He says, just a little bit more. And that is what this world will tell you because it's never content, never satisfied. Consume more, consume more. This is all about you. What's in it for you? What, what, what's gonna happen with you in the midst of this? What's wrong with the world? Well, people are either insufficiently educated or insufficiently governed. That's what the world says. They either need more teaching or more watching. It's why we have prisons. Hey, you are a problem. We're going to put you in here and we're going to watch you. So, how do you combat AIDS? AIDS awareness classes. How do we combat racism in this world? Well, you need to read a book. And we have an anti-hate class that you can join us on Sunday afternoons at 3 p.m. Dealing with abuse at home, anger management. The world's way of solving problems and issues will always leave you wanting, will always leave you empty, will always leave you lifeless. I just heard from a student. Philip, I tried the world's way. I went to the class, I was watched, and it didn't work. The only thing that helped me was God. That was it. So how does God respond? Who am I? Well, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, He being Jesus. Why did I start talking about Jesus when I started talking about you? Because if you don't know who He is, you'll never know who you are. You have to start there first. He, the image, the Greek word that means likeness and manifestation of the invisible. Invisible even goes on to mean unknowable. But you can know this invisible, unknowable God through the likeness and the manifestation of the physical representation of Jesus Christ. And if you can know that, then you can know that you're the crown and glory of creation, that you're God's masterpiece, that you were created on purpose, for a purpose, on purpose. That you can know that you, whether you are tall or skinny or brown or white or smart or not deformed or severely deformed, you have inherent value and purpose because you were created in the image of God. Why are you here? Well, verse 16 of Colossians chapter 1 says, For by him all, everybody say all, all. were created. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Why in the world are you here to bring glory to the Lord? That's why you're more than an athlete. 
That's why you're more than the smart guy or the smart girl. That's why you're more than your beauty. That's why you're more than those things and the identities that the world has put on, the, on, on, on top of you. You are a child of the king. And everything that you do points to him. That's why you're here. You're not just a random group of evolutionary processes, man. There was a great designer. There was somebody who meant for you to be here. You. And I'm reminded even this week that those around you that you feel like maybe are fine and all right, you need to reach out to and let them know that you love them and that God loves them. What's wrong with the world? You. I mean, me too, but mostly you. We. It's us. It's us. Despite the fact that we're the crowning glory of creation, we have spit in the face of God. We've willingly tried to walk away from relationship with him. We've said we can do it. We know the way. We don't need your word. We don't need your uh, talking to us. All we need is our own truth. Leave us alone. And we've arrogantly thought that if we would have had the same information that some of those other people had, that we would have reacted differently because we're good people. The problem with this world is sin. And let me tell you something, man, I love a good book. It, it hadn't always been that way, but hanging around this church with a pastor who studies as much as he does, I've, I've, I've grown a love to read. And I, I, I enjoy teaching classes and being a part of classes where I can learn more. But if that is the only thing it's not the full package. Let me tell you something. If you're dealing with like something like a racism, you can't go to enough just classes. you got to have a new heart. Just because we put people inside prison doesn't mean that they change. They need a heart change. It's a sin issue. Amen? That's what's wrong with the world. So how can what's wrong be made right? Uh, uh, yes. We all like sheep have gone astray. We. We, we've messed up. We've sinned. How can what's wrong be made right? Well, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Acts 4 and 12 says, and there is salvation in no one else. And there is no other name, no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. How can what's wrong be made right? By the substitutionary atoning death of Jesus Christ. That's it. You can't do enough good works. You can't attend enough classes. You can't volunteer in enough places. You need Jesus. I'm going to end with a story, and then my man Jason actually is going to come up, and he's going to present the gospel message to you. Jason is a 10th grader at Corner High School, and I'm telling you, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I don't have to wait till he's graduated. I don't have to wait till he's married. I don't have to wait till he finished four-year college. I don't have to wait till he has a bunch of kids. I ain't got to wait till he finishes seminary school. The young man is prepared to preach the gospel now, today. 
One more story that I, I, I really thought was just awesome uh, at the end of uh, this talk. It's God talks to Jacob. We know that Jacob has a very famous wrestling match with, 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 with God. And during the middle of the wrestling match, and I'm a guy, I've grown up wrestling and tussling around with people all my life, but I can tell you, ain't nairn time when I've been wrestling with somebody have I said, what's your name? <laughs> Usually we say things like, say uncle. <laughs> say I'm the man. He says to him, what is your name? And again, if the question is not for God, God already knows his name. And maybe even in that situation, the question ain't really for Jacob. Jacob knows his name. But let's go further. One of the last times recorded in Scripture where Jacob's earthly father asked him his name, Jacob lies. Says, my son, what is your name? He says, Esau, and he steals the birthright. So crazy amount of circumstances that happen from there. He winds up fleeing and he gets all that stuff through deception. But now he has an opportunity. He's going back into his homeland. He, 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 he pushes everything aside and he has a night alone where he's in prayer. And his heavenly father now asks him, what is your name? And he could lie again could but he tells the truth and he says I'm Jacob deceiver swindler one who uses deceptive means that's my name God says I'll give you a new one because you've been real with me in this moment because you've said your identity in the current the present state, I'll give you a brand new identity because you're done with lying, because you're done with uh, 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 thinking that you can do it on your own, through your own means, I'll give you a brand new name and you can have a brand new name today. And my man Jason's gonna show you how. Come on up, Jason. Will you hand him that microphone? I want to share with y'all the good news of the gospel. In Romans 3.23, it says that we all fall short of the glory of God. That's all. That's me, that's you, that's the person beside you, in front of you, and behind you. And in Romans 6.23, it says that the wages of sin is death. Now, wages are what we are owed for the things that we have done. And for sin, when we sin, that punishment is eternity in hell but the second part of Romans 6.23 says that the gift that God gave us is eternal life so I may be a sinner and you may be a sinner but we don't have to spend eternity in hell because God gave us a gift because he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins so that we may spend eternity with him in heaven. Now, today, I hope that you choose life and not death, and I'm gonna pray for us today.
So bow your heads. Lord, I pray that you would give them the gracious gift that you have given me, Lord. I pray that you would show them the love that you have given me. And Lord, I pray that they would choose your life, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you, Jesse. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I want to end service this way. Um, if you have a graduating senior this year, and everybody, if you're one of our graduating seniors this year, everybody that's in your family, you want to bring the whole family up here? Would you come up to the altar? We want to pray for you uh, today. Now, after we get finished praying for them, they will play. And if you want to make a profession of faith, if you want to give your heart to Jesus, man, we'll be down here at this altar and we'll be ready and willing to pray for you. Man, maybe there's other things that are going on inside your life and your heart right now. And you need prayer about something else completely. Well, we can pray for that, but we want to give some special opportunity up here right now for those of you who are graduating this year. If you're one of my youth leaders, you help me on Wednesday nights, would you come up and help me pray for, for these? Pastor's gonna lead us in this prayer, but I want us, the leaders, to go by and make sure to lay hands on these families and to lay hands on uh, these students because you're only kinda grown, not, not all the way full grown just yet. Remember, you still need to know the Lord and Him crucified. Amen. So much for that word this morning and for giving us clarity on those questions. And I do want to say before I speak to these graduates here this morning and before we pray over them, that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, there's, there is no reason whatsoever to leave this room today until you have made things right with God. And to every one of these seniors, listen to me, that is the absolute best decision you could ever make with your life. That's not just a cliche, that's not just the statement to make. That is absolute 100% truth that the best decision you will ever make with your life is to give it to God and say, God, I want you to use my life for your glory. I want you to use my life to make an impact in this world. So the first thing that I wanna do is I wanna lead you in a sinner's prayer. Those of you that don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Matter of fact, why don't we just all pray it out loud together? And if you don't know the Lord today, I especially want you to pray it. Just say, Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I believe that because you loved me, you left heaven and came here to this earth. And you lived a perfect, sinless life. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were put in a tomb. 
but that three days later you rose again. And I believe that you are alive today and that you are seated at the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And that you have said in your word that if I believe all of these things that I just said, if I believe them sincerely in my heart and I confess it with my mouth that I would be saved. You said whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I'm calling on you today, Jesus. Save me. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now that's just the first step. That's just the beginning of your journey with God. Now you need to find yourself some roots. You need to find you a place where you can put down roots and where you can grow in your relationship with God. But I want to say to each one of these young men and women up here in front of me today, what the Apostle Paul said to a young man by the name of Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He said, Timothy, I know you're a young man, but don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. There were some that were looking down on Timothy and feeling like, because he was young that he was not qualified to do what we've seen done here on this stage today. He said, he said so don't, don't let others despise your youth. Don't, don't let them convince you that because you're young that you can't do anything great for God. Because you can. And he said, here's, here's the greatest thing he said that you can do for God. Be an example. To others because when you are an example to others we talk about being light when you're an example to others that's going to bring glory to God and he gives you five areas to be an example first of all he says be an example in your speech and what comes out of your mouth that the words that come out of your mouth need to be life-giving words that the words that come out of your mouth needs to be words of truth not lies so he says, be an example in your speech. And then secondly, he says, be an example in your life, in your behavior. If you say you're a follower of Christ, live like you're a follower of Christ. It's called integrity. It's when your walk and your talk are one and the same. It's a character trait that is fastly going into being distinct, or not distinct, but instinct in this culture that we live right now. So be, be an example in your speech, be an example in the life that you live. And then thirdly, he says, be an example in love. Because the best way you can represent God to others is to love them. And when he says be an example in love, he says, let that be your motivation. That everything you do do it with all your might. Give it your very best because you're doing everything you do for God and not for man. And then he says, 
be an example in your faith. Wow, some of you are about to step out into the unknown. And you're going to have to know that every day of your life, and some of you already know this, you got to trust God. Some of you have a school that you want to go to, and right now it looks like you can't afford that. Trust God to provide. Those moments when you are put under fire by the enemy, you trust God to help you find a way of escape. You're to be an example in faith. And then finally, he says this, and this is so important in this culture that we live in right now. He says, be an example in purity. In purity. This culture is inundated with sexual promiscuity. Let's face it, impurity. But you can make a difference. You can be a light. You can be an example in what a pure life is looks like with the help of God and with the help of the Holy Spirit and with the help of one another. So Philip, if you'll just, you and Nicole, if you guys will just come down this line and just lay your hands on them. Anoint them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, parents and grandparents. If you'll just stretch your hand forward and lay your hand on your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew, whatever they may be to you today. But Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we come to you on behalf of every one of these young men and women. Lord, many of them, when they were babies, their parents perhaps stood on this stage or one like it, and they gave these sons and daughters to you. And they said, Lord, not our will, but your will be done. And Lord, now they've come to that place in their life where They're going to need to be somewhat released into the purpose and the plan, God, that you have for them. And and thank you, God, for incredible parents, moms and dads and grandparents and other family members that have made investments, Lord, into these young men and women so that now they can release with trust to know that they've done a good job that they have taught their sons and daughters the Word of God and that they've taught them the importance of prayer and the importance of a relationship with you. And Lord, they'll take that with them. That'll be the most important thing that these parents have ever invested into each and every one of these young men and women. But Lord, we know that you have a purpose. We know that you have a plan for each and every one of them. But they're going to need divine help. They're going to need divine intervention. So Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would rest upon them. God, help them to be an example through everything that comes out of their mouth. May may their words be life-giving. May their words edify. May their words build up and not tear down. Father, may they be examples in their behavior the life that they live. May it bring glory to you, Lord. May their walk and their talk be one and the same. May they not be ashamed, Lord, to live a life of holiness and righteousness for your glory and for your honor. God, help them to realize that they don't have to do it just because everybody else is doing it. That somebody needs to step out of the crowd and do the right thing with the help of God. Amen and be light in a dark world. 
Father, I pray that you would help them to be an example today in love. God, may your love be shed abroad in their heart. May they experience your love so that they can share your love. And may everything they do be motivated by love, Lord. God, not manipulation, not selfishness, but motivated by love. Just as everything you do for us, God, is motivated by your love for us. And Lord, help them to be examples in their faith. That they do not allow their circumstances to determine how big their God is, but their God determines their circumstances. And I pray that every one of these young men and women here today, Lord, will have faith in you, God. That they'll see what a great, big, powerful, awesome God you are. And that there's nothing too hard for you. And that, God, you will always be there for them and you will always come through for them. You will be their provision. And then, Lord, I pray that you'll help them to be an example in purity. Lord, that they would truly be light and shine bright. That they would understand that their body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And that they need to honor you, Lord, with their bodies. And that they would have a love for your word, Lord. And that, and that your word, the word of God, would be their standard for everything they do. That when they're trying to determine what is right and what is wrong, they don't go to culture, they go to your word. And there they find absolute truth because you, God, are truth. We pray it over these in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, let's thank God for every one of these. Incredible young men and women. Come on, let's stand all over the sanctuary today. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God, being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.